Happy opening day, Let's Runners. The Doha Diamond League delivered. Shakari Richardson delivers on the biggest stage, taking down Sharika Jackson. Fred Curley cruises. Michael Norman, is he in trouble? Emma Coburn, is she in trouble? Lameka Gurma, could he get the steeplechase world record? Should he run the 5K? That's all up next. This usually is a Supporters Club only podcast, but we love opening day. We love you. We're letting everyone get a sneak preview of it. But you got to be a Supporters Club member to get the second podcast every week. You get savings on running shoes. You get all the Let's Run content, private forum. You can email us. A lot of times you get the podcast for everybody else. This podcast itself actually has been out for about four hours already. Go to letsrun.com slash subscribe. Use code CLUB25 to save 25%. And don't forget, huge weekend on tap. Adidas Atlanta City Games are tomorrow. Noah Lyles versus Arian Knighton versus Owen Yala at 150 meters. And then the sound running meet with Yara Degus. Caitlin Tooley, does she get the NCAA record in the 5K? A lot more this weekend. Here's the pod. Track and field fans, happy Cinco de Mayo. Opening day is here. The Wanda Diamond League lives up to the hype. 2023, welcome to the 2023 Doha Recap Show. This is Let's Run.com co-founder Robert Johnson, joined as always by Weldon Johnson, as well as ace staff writer Jonathan Gold. I love opening day. It lived up to the hype. The big, the big stories were Sha'Carri Richardson, She's back, baby. As if she ever left. 10.76 takes down a stacked women's 100 meter field. This is a disaster for the American women in the steeplechase. Lamid Machagurma, 726.18. He lives up to the world record indoors. He takes down a stack of men's 3,000. And then a totally loaded men's 200. Fred Curley comes on top, takes down Norman Bagnera de Grasse. What's wrong with Michael Norman? Women's 1,500. Faith Kip Yagon. She was pressed by a young Ethiopian, but in the end, when you run 58-8, you're normally a winner. And 358-8, she was fantastic. Great meet. I really loved it. Let's break it down. If you're just joining us, I mean, if you're watching live, I'll reward you, folks. I meant to do this on National Burrito Day, which was last month, but I forgot. In honor of Cinco de Mayo, if you want one of our Burrito Tri Club t-shirts, I will sell it to you at below cost. I will sell it to you today only for $10. Go to shop.letsrun.com, enter the code BURRITO, and you can get the <clears throat> burrito t-shirt today only for $10, because I know some people would not purchase it if the profits were going to Shelby Houlihan. So that's today only. Don't do it right now, because I haven't put the code in, but once the show ends, I'll put it in, and you can get the burrito t-shirt. We're still selling this Burrito Track Club t-shirt, Robert. I mean, this thing's two years ago. Can you just let it go? I will say... The most impressive thing so far is we started this thing on time. Usually we set a time and we're about 10 minutes late. This time we already had all these people waiting for us to go live in the lobby. We will go right on time. I think let's try to make that a trend for 2023 when we do these live shows as we start them exactly when we say we will. I love this. This was great. Trying fields back on my TV. I've got Steve Cram in my ear. I'm looking at the 
The crowd was full at the start. I was a little disappointed because I don't know if you guys noticed. Everyone emptied out by the end of the meet. The women's 1500. I look at the first turn. I'm like, there were people there two hours ago. The meet's not over. Where'd they all go? So that was a bit disappointing because at the start of the meet, the whole stadium looked full. But yeah, I love the Ethiopian one, two, three and the the men's five, sorry, men's 3000. That was terrific race. All three of them, Goma, Borrega, and uh, Berahu Aragari breaking 728. Shikari Richardson was terrific. Fred Curley looked like he was out for an evening stroll and just walked everyone down in the 200. Men's 800 for the third year in a row looks like it might be kind of lame. I mean, 53, 146 winning time. I, I just, I continue to what? be disappointed by that event. Robert, come on. You, you enjoyed that men's 800? I'm not sure if I've ever seen a closing lap in 50.9, 51 flat. might have been actually under 51. Just John doesn't understand. He's a long-distance guy. He's never coached or run the 800 in the elite level like I have. I'll break that down for you later. Okay. It's still, it was a great day. And yeah, Robert, you've, well, hopefully you've earned that beer by the end of the show. You haven't unloaded any great hot takes yet. Weldon, how are you doing? Happy Cinco de Mayo. Can you see? Got my Pacifico here. I've got about uh, 60 beers here in the room. We're having a third birthday party. I guess that's what you do. I went and just, my wife just said, go buy beer. And I bought a lot and Cinco de Mayo. So good to be here, everyone. The meat as a whole, John, I'm glad you pointed out some of the things. Like with the Diamond League back, track and field is a circus, man. They cram a lot into two hours. Especially when you're trying to cover it like we are, which is a little bit different. I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, Shakari's already racing. And then like the 3K pops up and this other stuff. And then I'm like, wait, where did the people go? There's a lot to talk about besides just the competition. But big picture for me this meet, Shakari Richardson, big step up. I thought she was disrespected by the announcers in the start of this thing. I was like, how can they not mention the women who has run the fastest time this year, granted wind aided, but who I think if there were betting odds in this race, she would have been bet way ahead of Dina Asher Smith. No offense to what she's done, but I thought for sure she was the number one or number two in this race. And she showed it. And Lameka Germa, my God, I mean, in faith, Kippy Aegon, but like Germa would just toyed with those guys. Like he was just waiting, get him a pace. I think it's time he could go after Coleman's record. Coleman's record. What about Saeed Saif Shaheen's world record in the steeplechase? That's what I'm excited about. He this is a guy who ran 758 basically solo last year. Now he's running 726 and making it look easy. He runs 723 indoors. I think that can fall at some point. He got the win over El Bacali. He got the win over the other Ethiopians, the flat specialist. That was awesome. So should we start with that 3K or do we want to start with Shakari? I'd like to start with Shakari. I mean, she she just n- normally in society it bothers me like where we're obsessed with celebrity and people who haven't done anything like the Kardashians. You star in a porn tape and now you're worth the whole family's worth like eight hundred million dollars a minimum. But <clears throat> Shakari to me moves the needle in a positive way. You, you she's got it. Sometimes it is bad. Sometimes it is good. But the talent is there and. Like when she popped up on the screen, I was like, oh my God, I forgot about the hundred. This is the race of the day for me. And 
I agree as well. Then, like, who was the commentator, John? He was like, oh, she might. She, she acting like she was like the third choice. I'm like, no. She, I'm like, I think she's gonna wreck this race. I'm like, could she possibly break a world record? Like, her her talent level is so. Wait, high. wait, what, world record? What are you talking about, Robert? The world record is ten four nine. What what has she done to indicate she could possibly have broken the world record today? Well, she she's run a number of times that are in the ten sevens. I didn't know what the win situation was. But if you run in the 10-7 wind legal, put a 2.0 wind tailwind or get lucky on the wind, I, I think you're probably in the 10-5s. I mean, she had a 4.1 wind earlier this year and ran 10.57. Like, let's calm down on the world record. But yes, I do think Steve Cram should have given a little bit more respect, especially given that 10.57 she ran a few weeks ago. Getting out of the blocks, I was like, oh, all right, she's okay. Like, she usually has a pretty good start. She was fairly level with Sharika Jackson, who was one lane to her inside for most of this race. But then the end of the race, Shakari just looked so strong. Her form wasn't breaking down at all. She continues going, running strong right through the line, gets it in 10.76, which is a wind legal world leader this year. Comfortable victory over Jackson in second and 10.85. Dina Asher Smith, 10.98 in third. I mean, this was a statement victory. This was Shakari's first ever Diamond League victory. It was against a woman who got the silver medal at the World Championships last year, and Asha Smith was the silver medalist in 2019 at the World Championships. Two proven commodities, and she carried dusted up at the end of the race. So, really, really big step for her. Consistency has always been her issue. It's only two races uh, in the 100 this year so far for Shakari, but she's run two A-plus races so far, if she keeps this going, yeah, she's going to be a medal threat and possibly a gold medal threat at the end of the year. Okay, I'm getting crucified in the comments for the world record comment. I agree. It was a dumb comment, but I yelled it out to John Kelly. I Right when the race is starting, like your gut instinct, like what do you think is really going to happen? I just thought like I think she's going to wreck this race. She's more talented than these other women, and she lived up to it. Yeah, to me, this shouldn't have been a shock because her 10.57 converted to a 10.77 in steel conditions. And what does she run today? 10.76. I know she had a plus a plus point nine, so it's not even as good as that last race. But her start today wasn't good. I thought she was all kind of almost twitched in the blocks, got out behind everybody, and then ran them down. But I really liked. You could tell it meant a lot to her. She put that hand up. She 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 ran them down late. She seemed focused and poised. There was nothing crazy about like her celebration or, you know, it was, there there was like. Did she yell Shakari? When she was standing on the tr- kneeled on the track after the race, she said something to the cameras. I think that was what it was, which I thought was interesting. That's what Steve Cram thought she said, and I was trying to figure out. I'm like, I think maybe that's what she said, but I wasn't sure. But the other thing, did you guys? I may have been reading too much in in this. I wanted more of a celebration. I'm like, come on, girl, you won this thing. I, I don't know. I expected more. There's so much fanfare around here, like. I guess in these races, the biggest ones, although she beat Sharika Jackson last year. She's never won a Diamond League, but she did finish ahead of her in one of these Diamond Leagues last year. Um, I, I wanted more celebration. And then there was one thing I noticed after the race. Anything you guys see? Not coming to mind. No, Shakari seemed very focused and sort of went all the way around the bend, so she wasn't right near the other competitors. But I only noticed one competitor come up and congratulate her. Am I reading too much into this? 
I mean, probably not. I do think that in the 100 meters, Shikari gets a lot of attention for someone who has never even competed at a global championship. And she gets that attention, one, because she's a showman, but also, two, she's really, really good. But I think some of these other women, like Asha Smith, Jackson, they're both world champions. And you know, I think that might bother some people. It might not bother others. Maybe she was just away from people. But yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic. Certainly, I remember in Tokyo in 2021, me and Robert, we were asking the Jamaicans after they swept the Olympic podium in the 100, you know, what do you think about Shakari not being there? And they were just not having it. Which, again, that's right after they win an Olympic medal, so maybe you can understand. But there might be some animosity there, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but I, I'm not reading that much into it. John, you're underestimating how much... When we asked about Shakari Walden in Tokyo, they did not want us to talk about it. So, yeah, they're not, you know... Big fans of her. So that was exciting, but we're mainly a, a, a distance website. So let's go to a distance race. What? Hold on a second. I'm now looking at Shakiri's post race comments. There's a virtual mix zone. So maybe I can try to find these. She says, I'm so blessed and thankful. I feel at peace. All I do is the best I do, and I'm excited to do it. That sounds very Shakiri, right? But here's this, John. Like I said it before, I had to be kicked out from another 100-meter race. So I had to do my best no matter what. Peace, love, and life. Any speculation what that means? Does that mean her? Did she want to run the 100 in, in Botswana and they thought no, Shelly my, and Frazier was showing up? No, no, no. My guess is it actually refers to her next race. She's competing at the Kip Kano Classic this next weekend in Nairobi. Shelly Ann Fraser Price is also in that meet. Those two are not running the same event. Shelly Ann Fraser Price is in the 100. She carries in the 200. That would be my assumption to the race she got kicked out of. This is ridiculous, people. This is track and field. I love it, but like, let her race, right? Like, come on. Like, I guess. So, okay, let's call out all of Jamaica right here. Shelly Ann, you, you afraid? Well, are you afraid to look. race? We don't Shikari know that's right what's now. happening. And I will say this, Shelly Ann Fraser-Price and Elaine Thompson-Hurrah, when they were the best two in the world, they would race each other all the time on the Diamond League circuit. So is it just because Shakari's American? Is it because Shakari gets more attention? We don't even know if that's happening, but if that is the case, yeah, it's ridiculous. They should be able to race each other. It would be, a, it would be awesome, especially after Shakari winning today. Can you imagine what the hype would be around that race next week? I'm fine with people ducking and avoiding it. It builds it builds anticipation. But again, my theory is I don't want them racing every week. Maybe once early in the season, once in the middle, and once at Worlds. But it was a good world. One of the commenters from Twitter or YouTube or somewhere said they missed, but she might have yelled at Carrie because they thought they had an in-stadium announcer mispronounced her name. I don't know if that was a joke or not, but that's what was said. So. <clears throat> so let's move to the distances. Let's go to this men's 3,000. There was this was the most hyped distance race of the meet coming in because we had two reigning Olympic champions in Sufyan Albikali and Salomon Borega. We had a guy who broke the world record indoors, Lometcha Gurma, and only two guys have ever run faster outdoors than his 723. We had Timothy Chariot, who's a former world champion in the 1500. And we had Berhu Aragawi, who was the silver medalist at World Cross back in February. So Stacked, stacked field, and they're running pretty much 60s the whole way. And then towards the end, the pace is 
you know, kind of drop off. And then we get this separation of Aragawi, who's been on the rabbit the whole time. He's the one pushing the pace. Right behind him, you have Gomer and Brega, and then you have El Bacali trying really hard to hold on. He's not he's a kicker. He's you know, this is a bit of a struggle for him, but he did end up running a PB of 733 and fourth, so impressive. But we get to the bell, and I'm just like I'm I'm looking because Borrega is has the bigger reputation as a kicker. He beat Goma to win World Indoor Gold last year in the 3K. He won the Olympic 10K in a kick in 2021. But Goma just looked amazingly smooth at the bell. I, I was just watching his stride. I'm like, he doesn't even look like he's trying. He's just running 60 flat, 59s, and it doesn't even look hard for him. So he takes the lead from Aragawi, who... It's like Conor Mance. Aragawi looks like he's going all out at all times. And my question is, is Borrega, who is kind of the kicker of the three of these guys, going to have anything? No. Lamecha Goma is just too damn strong, too damn fit right now. He pulls away, wins it in 726. Borrega and Aragawi both ran very well. 727 for both of them. But Goma... The winning margin was 0.98 of a second, but it, it felt like more because he was so dominant on that, on that last lap. I mean, he just totally outclassed him. But from a guy who ran, what, 723 indoors? I'm not surprised, except early on in the race, when Aragari was pushing, Germer wasn't right there at the very, very beginning. And I was like, oh, maybe he's taking a little break. Maybe he's not ready to go. But... That wasn't the case. He 100% was ready to go. And yeah, John, I, I, I'm focused on Coleman's record, but I think that's probably the wrong record to look at. They're going to run a lot more steeples this year than 3Ks. I'll say that much. And I, I'm not going to give the win to him over El Bacali in the steeple either. So I think either one of those guys could break the world record in the steeple this year. Right. I Well, I think... And I think the reason why we could see a run or two at it is because Goma last year ran 7.59 and that wasn't fast enough to drop, drop El Bacali. So I don't think he's going to want to have some sort of kicker's race. He's going to think, okay, the way I beat El Bacali is by dropping him. And El Bacali, we just saw 7.33. That's definitely, he's pretty fit right now as well. But the way you drop him is by running really, really fast. It might take a world record just to beat him in one of these races so that's why i think we could see it at diamond leagues and then in the final at worlds i mean i don't yeah that's we're a ways away from that but i agree with you weldon just because he beat him in the flat race i'm still not saying that he's you know necessarily better than el bacali he still needs to prove he can drop him in a steeple but this was definitely a good sign this race was not a good sign by the way for i like to point it out john gets mad for Grant Fisher. You see how hard it is for Fisher to medal because I mean, there's three Ethiopians going one, two, three in this race. Now, not thankfully he, he's lucky that they don't all run the 5,000 of worlds, but there's just a lot of talent out there. The, the, actually the good thing for Fisher is these Ethiopians don't make a ton of money with their contracts. So they do race more often. So they might get the peak wrong, but <clears throat> Gurma was brilliant. I wasn't ruling El Bacali out until I mean, even though he always does this, he looks like he's hurting, and he always is running a little bit back off the pack, and then he catches up and, and wins the, the seatbelts and kicks. 
And like six hundred to go, I'm like John Kellogg and I were like, if he's that far back with the lap to go, he was like five six meters, like he's still gonna win. I mean, it's two hundred to go, and, but then he got dropped about five hundred meters to go, and it was over for him. But you know, Gurma, we've seen him so brilliant indoors, we've seen him so brilliant in this, but he's always seen finishing in silver in the steeple, and it'll be interesting if that changes this year. He's only twenty two officially, so you know he's younger, but. The thing that I don't get is, we've said it to lead from the front. You've got to be like a second, a lot better than everybody. Like it's it's very hard to run from the front and, and win a race. It, he could be like it's like how is Jacob Ingerbertson ever going to lose a five thousand because he can keep it close enough and then not kick you? That's what El Bacali is in the steeple. But um, you know it'll be it'll be really interesting to see what happens at Worlds. Can he just front run it? I mean, I think if I'm him, that's your best strategy. He closed better than I thought he would in a tactical race at Wells last year. I was like, oh, Gurma, he might not have much of a kick. Like, could he be in trouble? No, he was clearly the second best guy at Wells last year. But El Bacali was also clearly the best guy in a slow race. I think if you're Gurma, you have to try to make it really fast. And he might be in world record steeplechase right now. So steeple shape right now. So... If I'm him, I'm pushing the pace. Maybe you don't need to go to the well in every single Diamond League and do that, but I think you you try to take a, well, a crack of the well record at least once in the regular season, and then you make sure you're ready to run 750 low in Budapest because that's going to be his best path to gold. Do you think Now, if you're Goma, do you think he should try to double in the 5K? Would you like to see him double, or do you just think that's a mistake? What's the schedule, John? I mean, I think it depends on the schedule. I'm going to have to kill some time here where I look it up very quickly, Weldon. But generally, I'm saying it's a mistake. I, uh, well, uh, he needs to run some free 5Ks this year, John. The 5Ks are a very different event than the 3K. So I want to see some 5Ks. Some like 12.50. I want to see some good kicks in a 5K. I, I don't know. Um I want to see him steeple as well this year. I mean, I think the 3K, it's kind of, it can be a unique event for certain people. And there's a question here in the comments. Let's see if I can actually find it. Century, well, it's about the, let's see here, fifth placer. He moved up at the end. Fifth place, a man by the name of Timothy Chariot, 736.72. And. The comment essentially is, is Chariot washed? This comment, by the way, is coming from my old Massachusetts rival, Connor Grogan, runner-up at the 2009 Massachusetts Indoor State Meet in the two-mile behind Johnny Gagaric and ahead of yours truly. So, Connor, thanks for listening. Uh, is he washed? No. I mean, well, he could be, but I don't think he's washed based on this result. 736 for a guy in his first ever 3K. I'm not too concerned about that, but he has been at the top in the 1500 for a while. We saw him slow down a little bit last year. Uh, that would be the more concerning trend, I think. But I, I, I'm not. I, I think this is fine for Chariot. Uh, I mean, is he washed? I thought this was a positive result for him. He went out with these guys. He tried to run them. He got dropped with what two, two or th- maybe thousand, two hundred, eight hundred to go. Was it three laps to go? And this guy's never run the 3,000 historic. He's got like a 1347, 5,000 PB. 
to me, he, he's not washed. Like th- this is a sign to me that his endurance work is pretty good. He may be washed in terms of winning the gold medal. He, I don't think he's good enough in the world just to run away from everybody because Ingebrigtsen's there. But everybody else, this is a negative for them in the 1500 because I feel like, no, he's been working on his fitness. He could run in a super stack through, through 3,000 and hold up pretty well. He doesn't need to be running 727 to be one of the world's best 1500 meter runners. You know, So I thought this was an encouraging result from Cheria. There was a good comment on YouTube about El Bacali. Someone was saying, He's, you know, there's a seven second gap between him and Germa here, but you know, there's seven laps in the Siebel. So if you're just one lap better, one second per lap better at hurdling, it helps. And he's so much taller. Like John Kelly was saying the same thing. This person's like, he's so tall, it's just easier for him to steeple. And John's like, it may feel like the women's barriers for him. Like he just naturally very good over the barriers. So I, 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 I think the top three guys in this race should feel good. Um, El Bacale, you know, I mean, he does what he always does. He tries to hang in there. He got dropped. If I'm him, I'm a little bit worried about Gurma, but hey, 7.33 was a, was a four-second PB for him. He's just very good at the steeple. And then Timothy Chirrut is, is, is decent for showing getting at Wally. We're talking about the, the double. Getting at Wally tried the double at Tokyo. It ended up being a disaster. Remember, he had run 12.53 in the 5,000. was like the world leader. He was going to do just the 5,000. And I think the Ethiopians made him do the steeple because – you think, well, he's run 12.53. How can a guy that fit not just dominate the steeple? Well, he ran the steeple and finished fourth and then was a disaster in the 5,000. So I would, when they've tried to force these things on people, and I was a favor of that in the terms of Wally and Olympics, it doesn't work. So whatever Gerber wants to do, I would do. But he's good enough in the steeple. You got to be thinking. If I'm him, I'm thinking both world records. I'm going to try to go for both this year. So the thing about, Wale in Tokyo, though, was they had the steeple final on August 2nd. And then, like, the night, I think it was the night of August 2nd. And then, I think the morning of August 3rd were the 5K prelims. So it's not the easiest recovery. This year, as many people have pointed out in the comments, the schedule is actually perfect for Gurma because the steeple prelims are on day one, the steeple final is on day four. Then you get a rest day. And then the 5K prelims are on day six, 5K final is on day nine. So that's essentially the perfect situation. The question is, will the Ethiopian Federation want to give one of their three spots in the 5K to a guy who is doubling back from the steeplechase? Because traditionally, the Ethiopian Federation, not huge on letting athletes double, and they have other very good 5K runners. So like Weldon said, he needs to run a 5K against the top field on the Diamond League circuit, prove himself. And if he does, then I think, yeah, you, you have nothing to lose by trying the double because the steeple is first. Yeah, one more final comment on Chariot. He was already washed last year. He's already washed. I'm going there with that. What did he do, John? Tell me all the accolades he had last year. Well, wasn't he like fifth or sixth at Worlds in the 1500? Okay, what was he the previous three years? Okay, he I mean, he went from like first and second the previous two years, but I mean, I guess he was second in 2017 as well. So yeah, I I said he took a step back, but all right, I'm looking at his here are his Diamond League results. Well then, second Doha, second Eugene, oh sorry, third Eugene. Then he was sixth at Worlds. Okay, but then second Commonwealth Games, silver medal against a very strong field, seventh Lausanne, second in the Diamond League final in Zurich. 
doesn't sound like he's washed to me. Sounds like he's still one of the best 1,500 runners in the world. He's just not definitively one of the top two as he was from 2017 through 2021. Yeah, but our sport's weird, right? The top guys, if you're the best, you can win all the time over and over and over again. And I feel like a lot of time, once you fall off the pedestal, it's the direction is one way. It's it, You don't bounce back up to being the best. So I don't expect him to win Worlds this year. Well, if that's your definition for him being washed, almost everyone's washed. But no, he's he's he reached the peak, and yeah, he's on the downside. But could he get get up for a bronze or something in Budapest? I wouldn't put it past him. Well, here we go. Comment by Jonathan Turdeman. Tim and Kipchoge riding off in the sunset together. Thanks for the memories. All right. Well, the Kipchoge one—that's a debate for a different podcast, I think. But no, I. I want to go there almost right now because I I thought of something. On our, our regular season podcast, we were talking, should Kipchoge race Kiptum in Berlin or should he race Evans Chabet in New York? Which do you want to see? And then I was out for a run today and I'm like, wait, neither one's going to happen. He's the Valencia champion. Don't they want the world record in Valencia? They will pay big bucks, and Valencia will be cemented as better than the Berlin whoa, Marathon. Whoa, whoa, whoa. If they want the world record in Valencia, they would get the reigning champion, Kelvin Kiptum, who is the man most likely to break the world record this fall. That's who you would go after if you want the world record in Valencia. Yeah, no, no, that's what I meant. Sorry, if you thought I was talking about Kipchoge. No, I mean, just go get Kiptum and put him in oh. Valencia. I think that's the race. I think Berlin is probably out of the equation. Valencia has a billionaire backing the race. Why don't we get it there? I don't know. There's a lot more to talk about next week. John and Robert talked to an Olympic champion today. Who? Whoa, what is going on here? I don't know. Weldon clearly likes the look of himself, and he wants him. We want to see more Weldon. We already. I already see two of you guys. We don't need three. You are identical twins, after all. All right, let's move on. We talked about the three K, Robert. Can you give me a defense of this 800? I guess the second lap... I mean, he did run fast on the second lap, Slamon Mula, who has proven himself to be a threat in these sort of slower races, but I don't know. I mean, should I really be that excited about a race where the pacemaker, Eric Swinski, goes out in 53-6 and the lead pack still chooses not to go with him? I don't know. In the marathons, I complain that every race is rabbited. And then I complain that every diamond league is the same. They're all rabbited. So here we got one that's rabbited. They don't go with the rabbits. So I, I tried to make the most of it and, and enjoy it. I'm like, I actually thought it was smart for somebody like <clears throat> Noah Kibet. He got ripped by Steve Cram afterwards because he's a young guy. This is the, the, the guy that won the world silver medal indoors last year as a like 17 year old or something. And John, he was so impressive to us, right? His burst of speed. We were just really, and now he's training with Pete Julian. But Steve Cram's like, oh, you know, they're going to be irate. And I'm like, well, maybe he just wanted to practice like running a tactical race. They don't get a lot of practice of tactical races. So, and then he ended up last place. So maybe it wasn't a good idea. But uh, I don't know. The, the, would I prefer to see in a fast race early in the season? Yes. But as it went out, it was slow for the first 500. They were like 55 seconds at the quarter. And 500 meters to go. Um, Wyclef Kenyamal of Kenya, who was in the world's final last year, 143 low guy just takes off. And they're like, did he get it right? And I'm like, no, he didn't get it right. Because when a race is that slow, you see it in college all the time. Oh, 
it's very hard to judge your kick perfectly. Normally the person that goes first gets run down and he did get run down by Mula, but Mula was, was dominant in this. I mean, he runs 51 flat, 50.9, maybe the last lap, 146.06. Kimono Mall second, 146.61. Sajati, who won the server last year, 146.97. So Algeri goes 1-3. And then Clayton Murphy, 147.96. It was very similar to his race um, in, in Botswana in that he he ran hard all the way to the line. I think he's really thinks – I think he's – I like the way Clayton Murphy looks. The results haven't been good. To get beat by 1.9 seconds isn't amazing, but – in Botswana, he ran all, He went wide at the turn, was the last, and moved up to the middle of the pack. Here he went out more in the middle of the pack. He was like fifth almost the whole race and finishes fourth. But, you know, I don't know. I, 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 I'm optimistic for Murphy this year. Like, I, I feel like I was worried after indoors if he might be washed. But I also remember that less than two years ago at the U.S. Olympic trials, he ran a race that I think he would have won. If he could produce that same race at the Olympics, he would have won the gold medal. So, you know, it's just, it was, it's a race that it is what it was. I, you know, I, I think Murphy would have a better idea of where he stands if they got with the rabbit. Now, there was a comment, I think, actually, and in, in when people were, were just waiting on YouTube for the race for our, our show to start, someone's like, Sawinski should have taken this race and won it. And I agree with that. Like, has Sawinski run under 146 in the last couple of years? Like he, he did a great job as Rabbi's like looking over his shoulder. He realizes they're not there at 300 and slowed it down, but he still had a huge gap at 400. I'm like, can't he just run, keep going? Well, sometimes they have in their pacemaker contracts that you're not allowed to hang in and win the race. So I don't know how it works with these things. Like if you do that and then you show up and win, maybe you don't get invited back from extra pace work. So only Eric would know what's in his contract there. But I guess, Robert, I shouldn't be that upset. What I One thing I love about the 800 is you get all different types of styles of races and the tactics become so important. Like we saw Kinyamal cost himself the race by burning it too hot too early. And that was, you know, Mula hangs on, he keeps his powder dry until the end, and then he wins it. Grind, Mula is also, you know, generally the strongest kicker of this field. But yeah, it, I guess it wasn't that bad. It was still kind of fun to watch. My, my, the thing was, I was like, I remember this race last year was one in one forty nine, and we haven't had a lot of like really fast or impressive eight hundred meters the last couple of years. So I'm like, oh, we're just going to get another year of it not being that great. But I guess it wasn't all too bad. And then Clayton Murphy, I feel same way that you do, Robert. I was looking at him in both Botswana last week and today. He was kind of middle of the pack. He wasn't, didn't look to be going the right direction. I'm like, oh, Murray, Murphy, he kind of looks like he's going to get buried. But no, he kept fighting, and he ran people down in the home straight today. He looked pretty strong. And I'm like, all right, this is actually a positive sign. I know he only ran 147.9, but you know, the winning time is only 146.0. But he's beating people. And we've seen with this guy's results in the past, you know, when he's r running a lot of races, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's like, oh, he's, you can't go all out in every single race. So you can't say, oh, every race I'm going to be the best for Murphy, the way he approaches training. So if he can time his peak right, yeah, maybe he can get his way onto another U.S. team. Um, but I'm, yeah, I, I think there's a decent enough result for Murphy today. Now, I'm in charge of the Clayton Murphy fan club, and I'm surprised. You guys are just way almost on more on board than I am. But one thing I want to point out, Daniel Black in the comments noted this. 
Murphy got clipped on that final turn. Did you guys see that? Like he lost his momentum. So I'm impressed. He sort of battled back. He caught as many people as he could. The next guy was a second in front of him. He wasn't catching anybody else. To me, it's, it's, I guess, a step in the right direction. People are getting hacked off at me because I'm saying everybody's washed. I, I, I judge people on different standards. If you were the most dominant guy in the world, I don't think you're going to be a world beater and going to sort of struggle to get a medal with the Worlds this year. Like, sorry, I think you're washed. But the, the, there was one other thing. Well, besides the fact that I was trying to figure out who Kasasi was the whole damn race, and it's Wyclef Kimignol. Like, names just change. I guess this is the 2000s. But can we get these guys' names right? Can we respect these people The in our runner from Africa the first time they race? Get the proper name. We're going to list it this way, and then it's that way forever. Like, this guy's been racing for how many years on the circuit, and all of a sudden he's got a new name today? Well, he was Kasasi last year as well, but he was Kenyamal for a few years before that. Same thing with Nicholas Camelli. Suddenly last year he's Nicholas Kipkoria. I I don't think it's not hard when the athlete comes on the scene, you say, how would you like the name to appear? What name do you want on the bib? And we just keep consistent. It's easier for them. It's easier for the fans. I agree 100% with you guys. I think there should be a $10,000 fine for the agent. If, the, if You cannot change your name. The first time you run in a Diamond League, they get the name proper. What name do you want on your bib? And this name will forever be used on your bib and all Let's Run.com recap articles we are officially we will sign a contract too if we ever use the wrong name we will pay you ten thousand dollars like for marketing the sport it's got to be the same damn name consistently like i was like who's this new guy like running the race I'm like oh that's white club kenyamal so and i just feel like it's laziness on the agent like how do you get the name wrong like are these really just pieces of property to you now interesting comment here from brandon Mc, brandon Rowe. i didn't see it was kibet officially wearing the uac kit I don't think he was wearing the UAC kit. By the way, we yes, he was. Yes, he was. Oh, he was. He did not wear it indoors when he won at Milrose. He was in the regular Nike kit. This one, he had. It was a new UAC kit because remember they were like royal blue last year. This was like a royal blue sunset look. It was like yellow on the bottom, but it had the UAC logo. So I haven't talked to Pete Julian about this, but this suggests that he's actually joined UAC as opposed to just training with them. Well, I was going to wonder, like, is he going to quit the UAC after this disaster of a performance? Although he was, you know. It looks like he was trying to force it kind of with 600 to go. But it, it is hard for him. Like, we need to give this young guy credit. It was a disaster for him today. Interesting how he responds to this. Like, he purposely seemed to let it go slow, and then he ends up in last place. Now, does he start to question himself, or does he still have faith in Pete? Like, it, it's got to be he's moved all the way across from the world. He's living basically by himself in Oregon. The coach doesn't even live in the same city as him. To me, like... And Pete seemed concerned when he was on the podcast, like, we've got to make sure his life's going well. But, dude, Noah, if you need an 800 coach, move to Baltimore. I will show up at your practice every single day. When you want to run easy for 30 minutes, I will be there. So that's got to be tough for him. If I was him and that young, I would want teammates at practice, people to run with every day. You're in a new country, thousands of miles from home, burning a lot of cash on rent and stuff that you wouldn't be spending in Kenya. It seems kind of wild to me. All right, the Diamond League 2023 season is officially underway. Robert has offered to coach an athlete who had a bad race. We know track is back, baby. I love it. I'm trying to show here Kibet's jersey. This is the best thing in the race. There it is right there. Blue, bright colors, some orange. Way better than the rest of the Nike kit. Everyone else in the Nike, they're wearing like the exact same thing as usual, which we complain about. I'm going to go, this guy looks different. 
Oh my gosh. If I say this though, will Nike then change the colors? Sort of looks like Hoka colors. It does. Oh, now they're going to change it. But it's it's a great look. Much better than everyone else racing in the same thing. So, I don't know. I noticed it. I, I like the kit. Although now I'm, you know, I see the four Nike guys together. Maybe it makes them stand out. But I, I was a fan of the kit. And race goes slow. You get your doors blown up. I'm sort of shocked he ran that slow. I mean, what was his last 400? It must have been atrocious. Well, look, I mean, you can see him in the video here. He just, everyone, he gets his doors blown off at the last 50 meters. But all right, let's move on to the women's steeplechase because, and look, they, this was a great battle for the win between Winfred Yavi and Sembo Almeu, the 18-year-old from Ethiopia. She was second in 905.83, personal best, but Yavi of Bahrain got the victory. She was fourth last couple of global championships. 904-38. Good battle up front. I like to see them fighting for the lead. That was, it was a fun final lap. But I think we have to talk about the Americans here because this race really could not have gone much worse for them. Emma Coburn, I don't know if you guys saw this. Her uniform and her spikes did not make it to her in Doha, with her, to Doha. And normally I would say, what the heck is the athlete doing? You always pat that stuff and you carry on. Uh, you know, you got to do it. Well, guess what? She did put in her carry-on, but then her carry-on was gate-checked. So they had to check the, the bag. It didn't make it to the plane. It, it, sorry, it didn't make it with her to Doha. So New Balance actually f- had someone fly out from Boston with new kit and new spikes to get it to her before the meet. So not a great start to her trip. And then on the second lap, Coburn is on the inside and Jacqueline Chepkoech kind of veers off to the left and runs into her leg. If this was soccer, this was a be- would be a penalty kick. She wiped her out. Coburn falls down. She does get up very quickly, but was never really in the race. She kind of got gapped early and winds up 10th in 929, which is her slowest in a steeple final since 2015. And yet it was even worse for the other American in the race. Val Constein has the Nike contract. I think this is her Diamond League debut. She goes out to Qatar, all excited, and then she lands awkwardly in one of the water jumps and starts limping immediately. She falls, she goes to the infield, and you can just see there was this shot of her into the camera, and she's just saying, oh, no. And she realizes it looked like a major knee injury. Like, I'm worried she blew out her ACL or something like that. It did not look good. It looked very painful. So hope she's okay, but she had to drop out of the race. So really an all-around disaster for both the Americans. Constine, you know, we, we'll see if she's healthy or not to continue racing this season. But I'm, I want to ask you guys, Emma Coburn, she fell in the race, but even still, this was not a good race for her. Like, are you guys worried? Nine twenty nine in her season opener in the steeple. How concerned are you about Emma Coburn right now? I'm not. Uh, these people in the comments, the U.S. steeple titles, Waymans to lose, please. We're gonna judge Emma Coburn. She got like clotheslined by this girl. This girl should be disqualified. I'm all about letting them race usually. John, you said she like knocked her down. She was hurtling in the air and got swiped in the air. Like, 
That should be a DQ. I assume falling like that can really throw you off. Perhaps I should be more upset than that. But I don't know. I'm going to pull up here her 3K best. Okay. She's running all right. She didn't, didn't she run pretty decently indoors? What'd she do this year? Well, she went out to Australia to run the mixed relay at World Cross Country. Indoors, she ran, and she ran 410 and 1500 out there. She ran 428 in the mile indoors. Fine. You know, decent results. Rob, are you panicking at all, or you just think this is a bad race? And she fell. We shouldn't worry too much. Sorry, I was trying to figure out a way. I made a great jeff of her fall, and I cannot figure out how to get it on the screen here for you guys. Don't worry about it too much. Unload your hot take instead. Okay. If you have one. Well, I like to just complain about whatever you say, John. So basically, you were writing her off after the race. That annoyed me. But if I'm being honest, when she fell, I thought, oh, God, now we have to hear the excuses of how she fell and that affected her race. But look, I mean, that's a bad fall. And we don't know if it was impacting her the rest of the race or not. Like, you're saying like, like no matter what, even if she ran 929 like all out in this race with no fall, I would not be writing her off in terms of writing her off for making a U.S. team. Like, no, she still ran under 910 last year in a subpar year. I think that she's certainly going to get back there this year. I'm just wondering, like, I felt like this was the, that the gold medal could be back in, in play here with, with the dopers thrown out of the event and stuff like that. I didn't see anything like that early in the race, but she's never run fast. You know, she's never even broken nine in her career. So it's just, you know, maybe that's just never going to happen for her. So am I, unlike Welder, I am a little bit concerned, but, and I was concerned coming in, but when she fell, I, I've got to let that, you know, this, this is an incomplete here. I, now, all right, I'm going to kind of disagree with you guys. And with the caveat, if she was running through serious pain or this fall was bothering her, then, yeah, just incomplete. I don't worry about the race at all. But her results last year, she ran a couple good races. She had a good race in Monaco. She had a good race at USA's. The rest of her race is pretty mediocre. And the fall, yes, she did fall, but she got up quickly. And I've I've seen Emma Coburn fall and still run good races. 2019 pre-classic, Emma Coburn fell. She still ended up running 904, almost her personal best. This one, I mean, maybe, maybe it does throw you off mentally. Obviously, it's not the easiest thing to happen, but she had the opportunity to sort of latch on or move up in groups, and she just couldn't do it. She was 10th at a K, and she finished 10th. So... To me, coupling this with her results last year, I think it's worrying. I'm not. I think she can still get on the team. She could still win the U.S. title. But I'm looking at this race. 9:04 was the winning time. Now, granted, I think the winners could have gone a lot. The top two could have gone a lot faster if they didn't slow way down for the second kilometer. They were like 3:07. But it it is concerning that she was so far back and that 9:29. It's just yeah. So it's a rough way to open her season, but. Again, Emma Coburn has a long enough track record of success, particularly putting together at USA's. I'm not going to say, oh, her season's over after one race on May 5th, but not not the way she wanted to start her season, for sure. 
you, you and Walden have already determined it should be a DQ. We don't know what happened to the other runner when it made her come off like that. I didn't say she'd be she should be DQ'd. Well, lots of people in the comments are, you know, we don't know if this is a normal fall if something hurt her. I would like to see what Emma has to say after the race and um, how she feels about it. But Bard in Virginia wants to know what she normally opens up with. We we've talked about this. I know last year in the years past, it's normally pretty consistent, right, John? I guess I could look that up. Well, okay. Last year she opened up a little later at pre nine eighteen twenty twenty one. It was nine oh eight in Doha. Doha was a little later in the season. Um, twenty nineteen nine oh eight and twenty seventeen nine fourteen. So she was opening up far. Like this is well off of her her usual opener. And it, again, it was the slowest time since the Diamond League final in twenty fifteen in Brussels. So outside of prelims. Maybe I'm just a contrarian, John, because beforehand I was like, Emma Coburn's not that good. You know, I don't, she's not what she once was. It's like some of these guys on TV. I won't say names so people won't know what shows I watch or used to watch. But I, I, she fell. I don't I mean, I guess you can say this at some point. You're used to going this like talking to Corey McGee. Like she clearly is influenced by Emma. If you're the best, you go to the Diamond League. So I'm part of me thinking, well, if De Emma doesn't think she's going to run that well, she's not going to go to Diamond League. But Emma's going to think she's running well when she's not. Like, she's got the mindset. She's done there. She's done it every year. She's thinking, I'm going to do well at the Diamond League. This is it. Like, I don't see her, like, backing off and, like, trying, unless she's, like, severely injured, thinking, like, oh, I need to take it more cautious this year because my fitness, because it's just not there. So I think training's been going all right. She's going to think like, okay, we we can put it together. So yeah, last year's results were definitely less consistent and slower than anything before, but uh, I leave out hope. Um, yeah, look, it's one, she's one steeple into her 2023 season. We don't need to be overreacting and casting judgment on it. But to me, uh, I wasn't encouraged by what I saw even, even with the full, but if the full had a bigger impact, on her physically, then we know, yeah, maybe it's worrying. All right, one other distance race to discuss here. That was the women's 1500. I don't know if there is that much to discuss because Faith Kipigon took care of business as she always does. And the American here, Corey McGee, was 10th, 406. She wasn't particularly competitive. The one thing I will say, I mean, Kipigon did get it done, but Dariba Welteje who was coming off a pretty strong indoor season. She ran fast for 3K a couple times. She hung on a little far longer than I thought she would. You know, I it was maybe 100 meters to go is where Kipigon really started to get that separation. But, you know, we said there are a bunch of young Ethiopians in this event. And we're wondering, can one of them close the gap at all? Well, this one, Kipigon wins it, 358-57. Well, Teji... Less than a second behind, 359.34. Kippy Gum was easing up at the end. I mean, she's still the woman to beat, but well, Teji is only 20 years old. She was fourth. She ran the 800 at Worlds last year because the Ethiopian 1500 team was so stacked. She had to drop down and got fourth in that event. She's run 157.02. She could be the woman to sort of threaten, but Kippy Gum's still the queen right now. For sure. I mean, Kippy Kip, Gum is just so good. Just watching this thing. I mean, there was a, we're showing the people watching the live show. 
I mean, listening to the podcast, we're showing the finish up there. I mean, she's just way ahead at the finish. At the bell, there's like a pack together. Granted, she's at the front and she just, you know, glides away from everybody. 58 point final lap makes it look very easy. Like that. I have no concerns about her. She's like Cherry out a few years ago, even better because she's running faster. I think the questions for her you're already the world champion. Go for the world record. Get the world record. Maybe try to be the first sub 350. I think those might be a bigger thing. This isn't the Olympics. So the Olympic title is more important, obviously. If it was an Olympic year, I'd say, oh, maybe just keep your ducks aligned. Make sure you get that. But actually, for, if you're going to win worlds, you probably want to be in world record shape anyway. So try to make it try to make it happen. I don't know, Monaco or somewhere. The thing that's crazy about Kipigon, and this is why she's the GOAT, is she can win any style of race. If she's there and it's slow and she's leading at the lap to go, she can rip off a 58. Or if it's a 350, 351 race, she can handle that as well. She's essentially unbeatable. Like it's just, you know, she's just better than everyone else. But yeah, I think she, she said she wants to go for the world record this year. Well, she said last year was about getting the Kenyan record, which she did, or getting a personal best, I'm sorry, which she did. She's now number two all time at 350.38, I think. So yeah, I'm sure she'll take a run at the world record at some point, but she didn't feel ready or didn't want to take a run at the world record tonight, and so she just kicked ass. Well, yeah, why would she go for the world record in her opener? She wouldn't. And who was the nonsense? Was that Jenny Meadows saying, maybe this is the year she doesn't go for time like on the broadcast? Like, why would you say that? No, she's publicly stated she wants to get the world record this year, and it's not an Olympic year. Next year is. So I think I expect her to go for the world record. I think she was surprised Will Telgey was close to her. You talk about Will Telgey, you know, I, maybe Will Telgey is the one who takes over this event. When Kippy again gets t- too old for her, um, the Australians ran pretty well. Jessica Hall and Abby Caldwell. I don't know if you guys. I went back and watched this. Where I rewound it, it reminded me of, of a college teammate. Like you want to make sure you beat your teammate. I mean, Hall was up there. I had a Caldwell the whole time, but I think she knew in the last hundred, Caldwell was right behind me. I'm not letting her beat me. So, um, Jonathan Turdeman on YouTube has an interesting comment. Just hand the gold, world gold to Faith. There is no bigger block to win in Budapest, and this includes Sydney Mondo Krauser. No, the young Ethiopian runners are not going to bother her. John, you're a smart guy. You probably know can think of all the events quicker in your head. Is that possibly true? She's the biggest favorite. I mean, I, first of all, Mondo would be a way higher favorite in terms of betting odds. But like on the track, would she be the biggest favorite in all of the events? I mean, she'd be up there. The thing with, I mean, it depends what Sydney does, right? If Sydney's saying she's doubling, maybe not. And even now we've got these women running faster. It's is she the biggest? I'm trying to think. Who would I say? I, I would say she's a big. She would be a bigger favorite than Krauser because we have these other like Joe Kovacs. Any given meet can erupt and throw twenty two high, twenty three meters. So I think she would be a less favorite than Mondo. But if we're talking just track runners, last year I would have said Sydney was a bigger favorite. This year, we'll see what Bowl and Wilson can do. I think it would probably be between Sydney and faith though the bigger question john is will faith win the london marathon next year <laughs> i mean but, this, this fond hassan thing is so sick if you think about it i don't know you just, <laughs> i don't expect hassan to run the 1500 but i that's why it would scare me if she did so oh please yes that's what we need forget about this 5k 10k stuff we know you'll win one of those 
Go run the fifteen hundred. That's what we we need, right? It'd be so fabulous. I just I think she'd get beat though. Like we saw in twenty one, Faith is. A, I guess Hassan did beat Faith Kipigon once in twenty twenty one. So yeah, I don't know. That that would be great because those are just two absolute legends of the sport. Well, is there one thing we didn't talk about? I don't think about in the women's steeplechase. Did we talk about the second and third place finishers here? I mean, these really, I know they only ran Simbo Almayu of Ethiopia in 905.83. She was the silver medalist of World Juniors last year. And then Faith Kuchertich, who had won World Juniors and was quite good last year, she basically equals her PR. It was 906 last year, 906. So I know they didn't win, but I thought that was encouraging results for two people who are 18 and 19, 18 years old, I believe. So Alamayu got destroyed by Cheritis last year. She was 930 at World Juniors when the Kenyan ran 916. Now she's opening up at 905. Like th- those were really like I-, I think it's fair to say, okay, it's good for Coburn that, you know, Gerudo's been popped and Chipkowich is-, is certainly not what she used to be. So you think the event's wide open, but what wasn't good for her was okay, she gets hurt and doesn't run good today. And then these youngsters looked like, okay, they're pretty good. Now, the key to Coburn, her whole career has been she's got it right normally in the big days. And, you know, if, if she's got a 9 or 2 in her, it's going to come to the World Championship final. Whereas, can you trust an 18 year old to get it right on, on that day? Yeah, that's going to be the issue. And actually, Chip Coach, she said, you know, she hasn't been herself. This was Beatrice Chip Coach's best race for a while. She ran 9 6. I know she kind of. They ran away from her at the end, but I was like, wait, Chip Kowich is up there? And you know, it's more than 20 seconds off OPR, but her fastest run since 2021. Who were the announcers, uh, John? Who was the female announcer? Someone wants to know if it was Hannah England. It was Hannah England, yes. I apologize. Uh, okay. Another result. We, I'm surprised we haven't talked about this, but there was well, a lot going well, on in this. Hold, hold on, John. And the, yeah, the Chip Kowich thing was a total overlook. I thought that was one of the bigger developments out of the steeple. She looked like more of a resemblance of her old self. So that could be something to watch this year. But from the steeplechase, I mean, from the 1500 meter results back there in 10th place, I apologize to all Corey McGee fans. 406.03 talk of the sub four. I clearly jinxed her, but maybe we should release this podcast to everybody like the non-supporters club members as well. So all the agents will hear it and all the shoe companies. If you want to get talked about on the diamond on the broadcast, you just need to come talk to us beforehand. Like they're introducing the runners and they talk about Corey McGee and all she's been up to for like probably 30 seconds. You know, she's just like a random American runner, our, our second or third best at her best. And they're just raving how like this, you know, her training and stuff. And I'm just like, Oh, Steve Cram either listened to our podcast or read our interview. So it's, it's probably the easiest way to get on the broadcast. It shows the bias because I expected her to rock it since she was on that podcast. And I listened to it. I'm like, oh, she's in the form of her life. But she didn't have much in the last lap. By the way, someone else who didn't have it today, I just I'm looking at this now. Last place, women's steeple, 931.71. World champion, Peru Shemitai. Olympic champion. That's what, that, I mean, it's weird. She had those two amazing races. She did that, and then she won the pre-classic. And... Since then, I don't know. It's it's weird. It was, it's, she hasn't been at the same level, and I guess this is one just one race to start the season. But that she was one of the more unlikely Olympic champions I think we've ever had in track and field. Oh, sorry, she didn't even win the pre classic. What am I talking about? This all right? 
this is absurd. I know she said she had had like some injuries early in 2021, but this is her 2021 season. I will read off her results. Eighth in Doha in 922. Fifth in Hengelo, 933. First at the Olympics in 901. And then seventh at pre-910, seventh in Zurich in 920. That that's that makes no sense. I don't understand it. Like she timed everything perfectly and then was just wiped off to the Olympics or why it just boggles the mind. Good news report. Conrado Soria Soria has posted that Val Constantine just posted that she thinks she has sprained her knee, which would be good if true. All right, men's two under. We haven't talked about this. This thing was loaded. You had Fred Curley, former four hundred guy, now world's fastest man at one hundred world champion at one hundred. Running in the 200, which you think he'd be good at, but he's he's never really run that great at the event. Kenny Benarek, he's won silver the last two world world and Olympic finals. Uh, Joseph Fambula, Andre de Grasse, Olympic champion, and Michael Norman, and it, it was a, a great race. Those you can see on, on the screen halfway through the the home stretch, Curley's behind, but he just ran him down like a 400 meter runner. He he ran down Benarek, gets the win, 19.92. Kenny Benarek second, 2011. Aaron Brown, 2020. Fanball only 2029, DeGrasse 2035, Michael Norman 20, dead last 2065. So uh, I thought that a couple thoughts here. Curley looked good. He wants to double this year. This is a big step in the right direction because, you know, you didn't have Noah Lyles. You didn't have some of these teenagers in there, but this was a pretty stacked field and he got the win. My other thought was, People are gonna who didn't watch this race are gonna like no that in Noah Lyles even and then like oh in 1992 it's not very fast only one guy under 20, I think that's misleading, because, and the wind is officially a positive point three but I was looking at it the wind was like the the flags were stiff and the wind was coming directly basically across the track straight into their face into the turn so it was perpendicular to the home stretch it, I mean obviously with the positive wind it was slightly diagonals so. If they had run this, they had to run into the wind at the start, which is a problem. And then they basically had a crosswind on the way home. So I would say this is like the equivalent of running into a wind for 100 meters or, or, or depending on where you started, you know, 50 meters. Um, if they'd run in the other direction, it would have been technically been a, a headwind. But they, I think they would have run a lot faster. So anyways, it was it's great to see the big names in this race and good win for Curly. What was up with Norman? I mean, had Norman... This is the guy that says, oh, I'm not going to run the 400. I'm going to be a sprinter. And now he's gone out this year and just embarrassed himself a couple times. Right, John? Well, he was third at Mount Sac when he ran the 100 and ran 10.02 in that race, wind-aided, and got smoked by Cravant Charleston. And now his 200. Michael Norman, I thought he would be doing what Curly does. He has that 400 strength. He's usually very good at the end of these races. This one... He just had nothing. He was never competitive. 20.65, dead lost. It was a disaster for him. And I, I don't know what's going on, but not good result for him at all. So something's up. I, I don't know. Curly, I was very impressed by. He just looked totally under control. I, I thought it was going to be weird because we were hyping up the Curly versus Norman showdown. And Kenny Benerick who usually goes overlooked in these things, but is the silver medalist, the last two global champs in this event. He looked like he was going to run away with it, and then no, Curly comes on and just kind of... Curly didn't even look like he got out of its 
you know, about fourth gear or fifth gear. Like he, he still had, looked like he had something left. I, I was impressed by that. Also, interesting look. He's got the what do you call the shorts he was wearing? Are those are those bun huggers? Are those like quarter shorts or quarter? They're like tight, but they're only half tights. No, they were not, they were like quarter tights. Maybe that's what you would call them. I don't know. Someone in the comments, what's the official name for that? I I can't remember very many men wearing those kind of shorts in a race. Couple that with the Oakley glasses, the clear like visor. It was just a very interesting look. But the lesson is, if you're fast, uh, you can make you can make anything work because you're like, wow, that dude, he's ripped and he's winning this race. Like, uh, he he was very impressive. So interesting look, distinctive look in his first year with Adidas. Sorry, with Asics, and a good win for Curly uh, against a pretty solid field, even though the time wasn't that great. Yeah, my, good win. I mean, this race was like more competitive than I thought. It's weird because he wins by .19, but there was a bunch of guys in it. I expected this to be a two-person affair. I mean, Benaric did terrible in Botswana, right? So I don't know how he bounced back so quick. That just shows, though, in, in five days, he bounced back much better. But coming off the turn, they're kind of tight, and I didn't even really see Curly. I think I had my lanes mixed up. I was... Bignerick was surprising me, so I was trying to figure out where the hell Norman was, but he was doing so poorly. I was just sort of confused, and then like, Curly just sort of... It's almost like Shikari bit in 100. She just sort of kind of comes on at the end, just kind of keeps going. I'm just like, oh, wow. But Michael Norman... I hope he can turn it around. Clearly, the guy's super talented. But I also feel like he's the type of guy... When it's not going well, he wants to show you how hard he's sort of trying. I feel like he kind of gets caught up in his head. You know what I'm saying? Does is anything I'm saying sort of make sense? Sort of. I mean, I remember listening to him do an interview last year, and he was talking about how he essentially he, he was just so focused on winning the the gold medal. Like his diet was super strict. Like everything in his life was focused around how do I recover for the next training session? How do I win this gold medal like he's such a hard worker and dedicated but some and when that's going well that can work for you but if the results aren't following it's a huge stress when you're defining your worth in terms of your results it can be difficult to if you're going through a rough patch so i hope he's doing okay mentally this was not a good result we know he's got the talent i know he's got the talent the 100 i still think he could be a good 100 meter runner you don't like 986 the clock wasn't broken. He ran a 9.86 in the 100. He's run 19.7 in the 200. I don't think it's unreasonable to think he could run fast the 100, but something is up with him at the moment. I don't know what it is. We're talking about Norman? Yeah. But, uh, putting on my coaching hat here, I don't have a problem with this. The guy's one of the world's best 400-meter runners. He sees Curly move down and thinks, oh, anyone can do it. Let him do it this year. Let him struggle. Then he he's not doubting, oh, should I be a 400-meter guy? He's all in next year on the Olympics and can go for the for, go for the gold. All right, let's talk about what we have coming up. Oh, by the way, Jasmine Comacher, Quinn, 1248 in the 100. Hurdles, uh, Juvon Harrison won the high jumps, some other events. Check out the, the written recap for a full event of environment recap. But... Well, quickly on Harrison, somebody here in the comments is asking, do you think he should give up the long jump, or do you think doing both helps him? But 
I feel like he's a much better long jumper, no? I mean, I feel like he's done better in the high jump, at least the Diamond League. But I'm just trying to double check that here. Yeah, last year he didn't really long jump at all on the circuit. I feel like the high jump is more of his focus. But what do you guys think? I mean, I guess it kind of depends how much time he's spending on both these events in practice. Does he think that by dedicating more time to the high jump, he'd be ahead of high? I mean, pro it's probably not going to hurt, right? But if it's something, if the long jump's something he enjoys doing, I think it's cool that we just have a guy who is a world class in two events. I guess he hasn't been as good in the long jump the last couple of years, but I, I just think that's a cool niche to have in track and field. So I'd like to see him keep doing it, but yeah, if he, which one is he going to be have a better chance at winning medals and doing stuff in? It looks like it's going to be the high jump at this point. All right, someone wants to know what year Nagus is going to do tomorrow on the sound running event. When that 3,000 went off, John Kellogg said, is your Nagus in it? It would have been nice to see him in this today. It's also going to be nice to see him in the 800 tomorrow. Yeah, well, he's racing against Isaiah Harris in this 800 and Tonatio Lopez of Mexico, who's run 143. Apparently, the pace, according to what Jesse Williams said yesterday to me, the pace is tentatively going to be 50 or 51 seconds through 400 meters. So I put up a poll in our preview article, you know, where, does he, where do you think he runs? Hey, we can't give away the candy store for free. You got to be a supporters club member to listen to the rest of this podcast. Go to let'srun.com slash subscribe. Use code club25 to save 25%. Join for a year. I think 80%, 90% of our members are year members. You get a free shirt if you join for a year. You buy like a pair of shoes. This thing almost pays for itself. But we preview the rest of the sound running meet. What will Caitlin Tilly do? And the Atlanta City Games... Adidas Atlanta City games are actually loaded. Good thing, right? Because Noah Lyles, Omanyala, and Aaron Knighton are all racing 150. Adidas is making them race. This is a good thing. Bad thing, eh, not many people outside of Adidas in this meet. And it's the same weekend as the Doha Diamond League. We debate that. But join the Supporters Club today. And thanks for listening.